Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the show about all things very north and very south. And we have been, well, we've been covering a lot of ground on this thing. Um, from magnetic fields to marine mammal sex in the last episode to the big magnetic flip to ice photography to walrus to whaling. It's, it's, um, it's great to have you with me, Mario, because you are the man who knows all these things. How are you doing? Well, thank you. I'm doing fine. Nice to be here. It's um, This time uh, I want to talk about salmon farming and that is something that well i think is is now pretty much the norm for most salmon and you correct me if i'm wrong but um, most salmon that i can buy at a at a fish shop is uh comes from aquaculture and it's not from the directly from the ocean only some of it is from the ocean um am i right yes um you're right um when you uh, when you look at fish and uh, you choose what fish to buy, uh, of course one of the uh, one of the things would be what fish you like. But it's also a question of price. And uh, uh, farm salmon is uh, way cheaper than uh, than uh, than wild caught salmon, and that is that is one of the reasons. But there are some some differences in in the organoelectric properties of the one and the other but uh but the differences are not extremely visible and uh, and in big uh, like fish distribution chains the uh, the farm salmon is uh, is the norm i have uh, seen salmon farms um first time i was up in the arctic up in lofoten in norway where there are like stretches and some fjords where they have these uh, well, from from the land you see just a pretty much a ring, uh, several rings next to each other that have uh, sometimes have nets over them, I guess from keep to to keep the birds from getting the fish, and then every now there's a ship next to them, probably doing some maintenance of some sort. So how much, uh, how much, uh, how many salmon farms are there? Uh, well, the statistics uh, are. Uh I'm not exactly in my head now, but I know that the um, that the surface covered by the um, by the salmon farms, so the uh, the surface covered by these rings, the surface of the sea, in in the whole of Norway, which is uh, one of the world's largest producers of uh, of salmonid fish, is uh, equivalent to yeah probably around ten square kilometers. So it's it's not Sizable. a huge amount. It's it's quite a quite a quite a, a little uh, part of the of the territory, but they are they are usually placed in um, in positions that uh, favor the salmon farming. So the places where there is uh, enough uh, oxygen in the water, enough uh, movement of the water, and uh, and these are um, when when they are visible, they are strange structures, and uh, they. Uh, catch your eye <laughs> so you you actually notice that there is something like a salmon farm around so I, I suppose the rings that we see there there are nets going down on the sides so it's pretty much a, cyl a cylinder in the water yes 
you're right. Uh, the um, the rings are uh, made of plastic, plastic pipes, um, that is welded together, and they are the floaters, to which a net is a net bag is is uh, attached. And the the rings now they go up to yeah eighty eighty a hundred meters in in uh, in diameter. Um, if we're talking about the the ring structure here, they're very common here they, because they're um, they're relatively. It's probably the the uh, the most efficient way of of uh, utilizing the technology that is now uh, in place. And uh, the net uh, is quite deep. Um, we go down to uh, to 30 40 meters at least so the bag is is very is very wide uh, and when you um, when you saw this ship on the side uh, it's because usually salmon farms are several rings together uh, in a, in an area they are given uh, they are assigned to an area by concession and uh, they keep their fish from the relatively early stage and I'll come back to this until they are ready for slaughtering and in that time they have to be fed so there is usually a barge or a ship that is feeding these fish and if it is a barge the barge is moored close to the rings it has pipes that go to each of the rings and in these pipes through these pipes there is uh, the delivery of the food which is usually pellets. What what are they made from? Normally, normally uh, in 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 nature, fish would eat other fish, right? Yes, yes. Or fish would be. I mean, we uh, we usually go and and eat the top predators. These are the the nice nice tasting fish, and and salmon is uh, is no different. I mean, salmon would go and and eat um, other animals. Mm fish or or crustaceans or mm -hmm. others the problem with um, with feeding uh, salmon with other fish is that or other marine animals is that you have to go and um, and fish those instead of fishing the salmon and um, and that is uh, that is the conundrum in in this whole thing is that you want uh, a certain kind of fish because this is the one that is uh, appreciated by the market and it's also like a nice fish to eat anyway um, and and at this at the, you have to go and fish other fish in order to feed it uh, but this is not this was at the early stages of salmon farming when there might have been a surplus of non-commercial uh, bycatch of other fish then they would be used uh, for uh, fish food uh, you can they will be transformed into fish meal and uh, the fish meal will then be made into pelleted uh, pelleted food but it's not as easy as uh, uh, as it can be uh, because uh, the pelleted food um, first of all uh, we have a problem with uh, with keeping up with the contents of uh, of nutrients uh, proteins vitamins and and other uh, and other components that uh, are important for in oils and fats for the uh, for the salmon farming um, um, because uh, uh, there isn't enough fish uh, that is being fished normally with with normal means in order to make enough uh, food for the uh, the salmon farming 
and there is a competition between using fish for uh, fish food and fish for human food. Um, both at the uh, there are there are uh, there's a competition both at the economic and at the at the ethical level uh, as well. Um, and then there is the problem of uh, the cost of production. Um, and there is a tendency now to uh, increase uh, as much as possible the vegetable part of fish feed for salmon. So we are transforming a, um, a, uh, a predator into a partial herbivore or like an omnivore in this case. And, that, and, they, and they do that? They eat vegetables? Yes, yes. But, there, but, but, are, but it's not are, Brussels sprouts well, you're putting in there. It's stuff no, that uh, gets mixed well, in. It's, it's marine, right? like seaweeds, for example, or soy is used uh, a lot um, in um, in salmon farming, depending on which company. It depends. It really depends. It's a it's it's a big industry, but it's there are a few big actors, but there are lots of small actors as well. So it really depends on the on the local conditions. And uh, when we're talking about Norway, um, a lot uh, a lot of the vegetable sources are are. Uh, soy or um, most of the vegetable sources are soy or um, or seaweed and um, and this is um, this is something that uh, uh, can be made into a palatable uh, pellet the pellet though has to be uh, this will have certain characteristics so it has to be both palatable it has to be digestible it has to be giving enough nutrition so that the animals actually grow as their other food potential um, and uh, at the same time it has to be uh, something that uh, doesn't uh, flow around and, and pollute the environment um, around the fish farm at least it's in the interest of the of the fish farmers to have as clear as water as possible so that you don't have a, a growth bacterial growth for example all around the fish farms and can damage the fish and also the uh, other interesting aspect that a lot has been done about is about producing uh, producing a feed that allows the production of uh, uh, a manageable uh, fecal product on the other side of the animal. So that the feces actually can, instead of being dissolved into the water, they can actually fall away from the uh, from the net, uh, from the bag where the animals are being kept. So I in would order to, to keep to keep the uh, to keep the uh, the the area clean. Right. I would expect the 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 fish poop to to collect under those nets on the ground. Yeah, and this is this is one of the uh, one of the reasons why after uh, the cycle of uh, growth of these animals, which could be uh, several years. I mean. Three four years before the animals are are ready to be to be slaughtered, depending on also on, on what the market actually asks. If it's large fish or small fish, depending on 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 the demands and on the strategy of the individual producer. But when once a cycle has been finished, then um, the uh, the area has to stay uh, uh, without a farm for a for a period of, for a number of years before it can be used again so that the the difficult product uh, and everything that is left underneath the fish farm after the production can be cleared out by natural process of degradation bacteria degradation mostly so these are the uh, yeah these are the um, some of the aspects of, of fish farming the other the other aspect is that um, we have um, well, the first part is going from the egg 
to uh, the smolt. So, well, if you talk about uh, Atlantic salmon, these are uh, animals that are uh, migrating up the river, uh, the river. So they go from salt water over to fresh water, then they reproduce up in fresh water, and the young salmon actually lives the first period of its life in fresh water and then migrates to the sea and then goes for a long migration uh, before they come back again and, and start reproducing again. And uh, the uh, this, this process is actually quite delicate. Um, and uh, for fish farming, then the uh, process happens in, in, in smolt uh, producing plants that are usually on land and um, that are uh, other challenges like for example the uh, keeping the water purity uh, because in this case you cannot rely on natural processes like uh, currents and tides uh, to to move the water around so there are two more things that i'm i'm curious about the first is one thing i read about was that in salmon farming there is always the chance of uh, some uh, some some lice or something, some parasites um, going through the populations. How's that dealt with? Is that a real problem? Well, it is a it is a, a problem that is a problem. It is a phenomenon that happens. I mean, the salmon have uh, lice. These are crustaceans that are actually feeding off the mucus on the on the skin and on the, the skin cells. Do these only it, happen in farming or also in wild? No, they are they are natural um, they are natural parasite that has always been on salmon. But when when salmon actually live uh, uh, quite a distance from each other, uh, they are not a schooling fish, uh, so they live quite a distance from each other. The the contagion or the passage of the parasite from the one salmon to the other is uh, reduced by natural means by distance by physical distance then the uh, um, salmons actually when they migrate up the rivers from from salt water to fresh water this is a process that actually does uh, reduce the parasite load the external parasite load and uh, and uh, when you have a lot of a lot of salmon in a fish farm then uh, there is a higher chance for the lice to be uh, infesting these animals, these these fish. So the there are several, there are a couple of different ways of uh, of treating uh, the uh, fish for um, for for the parasites against the parasites. One one way is to um, spray um, some uh, um, medicine, some product that uh, does um, impede or or slow the production of the exoskeleton of these crustaceans, like small shrimps of a, the shape of a horseshoe crab, and uh, and they need their uh, their shell, and uh, by spraying these uh, shell inhibiting uh, compounds in the water then the fish is not affected but the parasite is affected uh, and then dies off or uh, falls off the uh, the fish um, this kind of treatment has a problem because uh, um, there are natural crustaceans all around the fjords in here and uh, there is an around Tromsø, for example there is a good uh, or there was uh, a very good uh, shrimp fisheries 
and uh, and if uh, in the same fjord where there is shrimp fisheries there are salmon farms that use this method of delicing then uh, uh, you have a, a problem because the uh, compounds actually affect the shell produce production the carp uh, the carapace production in the uh, uh, shrimps as well and reduce of course the viability of the shrimp population Another way of doing it uh, is by uh, thermal treatment. So the salmon is actually uh, sucked in uh, through a pipe that uh, wow. takes them into a um, into a, a chamber or a process where the water temperature is raised to a level that is not dangerous for the salmon, but is uh, actually uh, deadly for the uh, uh, for the um, parasite. And so the parasite actually fall off. This is another way of, of looking at it, just a, a couple of the ways. And you're saying, oh God, with the, with the sucking. Actually, this is the way, this is the way the, uh, the it's a animals... Weird, it's a weird thought in my head now, a weird picture in my head with a big, uh, with a big vacuum cleaner kind of thing. It is, it is a kind of vacuum cleaner. Oh, really? We have a big pipe, and this is the way the, the animals are transferred to a slaughterhouse, for example. Okay. Uh, they are uh, pumped out of the, of the net, uh, they are sucked out of the net and into a ship that takes them over to a slaughterhouse where they're then slaughtered and processed. It's uh, it's farming. Um, yeah. So uh, It's an industrial they, process. If you look, yeah, it's an industrial agricultural process. Like if you if you have a, a chicken farm or a or a, or a cattle farm, um, the animals are being controlled and checked for for the parasites. For example, there are means of con checking, and there are obligations, legal obligations for controlling the parasite loads in the in the uh, in the in the bags, so that uh, you have a. Uh, um, a, a control over uh, the uh, uh, what's happening uh, into the different farms, and uh, the fish are also uh, vaccinated um, so that uh, they don't get uh, any any uh, viral uh, infections of the of the most uh, common viral infections in salmons. And um, and then there is the um, then there is the the fattening. So all the process around feeding and so health is one side, and feeding is it's the other side. And then and then there is transfer to a slaughterhouse when they are when they are ready to be to be uh, processed. And and this is done by by vacuuming. And uh, one of the um, one of the uh, one of the problems though we have with. Uh, uh, with the, with the farming, I mean, there are several problems, and um, there is quite a lot of uh, misinformation about. But uh, but the obvious problems are on the one side the um, uh, changes in the composition of the fish um, when it's served uh, on a table for human consumption, and uh, uh, fish that has had a natural diet um, has. A much higher content in omega three fatty acids and which all are the good, good ones, fats. right? Yeah, the good fats that we actually eat the fat fish for. I mean, apart from the force, the pleasure of the table and of the of the palate. Um, so a uh, farm salmon um, can have a much lower um, effect uh, or lower content of omega three fatty acids, and this makes it not as healthy as. A, a wild salmon uh, and then of course there is a trade-off of course if you have to choose like should i eat a fat steak or like a pork steak or a farm salmon that's probably 
uh, if you're thinking, if you're thinking omega threes, probably the farm salmon is still much better than the than a, a, a pig chop, a pork chop. Um, um, the other problem that we have is um, uh, the escape of the farm salmon from the uh, from these bags that can happen by breakage because of uh, like wear and tear because of storms and can happen also in uh, in the in the transfer um, in the transfer of the fish when they are sucked out from the one side and treated for delousing uh, with this uh, with this hot water method and uh, and the problem is that the uh, the farm salmon originates at least in Norway from like four or five different uh, um, salmon that come from um, from salmon that comes from four or five different rivers in Norway uh, that have been uh, crossed and and selected. So and e- and each river practically has their own uh, their own uh, uh, population of salmon that is genetically different from the next one. So. Uh, these this hybrid of the selection of these four or five rivers in Norway has actually uh, colonized the whole coast, and not only the whole coast of Norway, but also in different other places like in North America and South America, and uh, and uh, and even though there is a relatively little chance for a farm salmon to reproduce, to be able technically to reproduce with a a um, a wild salmon. Then there is still the risk of some genetic pollution. So there is a, a, a risk of decreasing the uh, genetic diversity of the wild salmon. Do we know how much that happens? In Norway, there is uh, there are statistics. I don't have it now here on the top of my head, but uh, there are statistics about uh, about um, uh, escapes. And uh, you hear in the news that uh, now there is uh, free fish for salmon. I mean, there is there are rewards made for uh, fish that come from a farmed um, from an escape um, uh, that are publicized, um, um, so that like private and people can go out and try to fish as many of the of the escape escapees as possible and take them back and get a reward. Um, um, you can. Um, but but it's uh, there are I mean one one thing is then the escape of the salmon here in Norway from a hybrid that still comes from Norway but for example in Western Canada, uh, British Columbia there are farms that are using Atlantic salmon in the Pacific, and that uh, is I think more troublesome and the, along the coast of Chile uh, there is also a lot of um, a lot of uh, salmon farming. It's uh, it's Norwegian capital that uh, is investing in salmon farming, also in Chile, and uh, for the most and um, and and this is uh, salmon that uh, is Atlantic salmon. So just just a word. I mean, if you, if you don't know anything about uh, genetics and population and ecology and whatever you say, well, there is Atlantic salmon in the Pacific, and there is also Pacific salmon, which uh, probably is a recipe for a disaster waiting to happen. Wow. Okay, one last thing, and I'm not sure if, if it belongs into this episode and maybe should be its own episode, but um, when you go buy fish, it usually has some logos on it, and one of them is the MSC logo. Yes, the, um, Marine Stewardship, uh, Stewardship Council. And it's yes. about, uh, I guess, about sustainable 
um, fishery. Um, is that something that we should discuss in this context or should we make this a completely separate thing? Well, there are different, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that in general, I think that people should be aware of the different um, certifications. Uh, uh, the, people, people should be aware, first of all, of where the food comes from and where... Um, <laughs> I mean, this is my personal exhortation. Of course, I'm not saying it as a, as a, as a must for everybody. But I would, I would hope that as many people as possible actually are conscious about their actions and what they're doing and and how they're living. I fully so support that. that make, by the way, yes. Sorry. I fully support that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so I think that that knowing what all these things are about um, is uh, is important. Uh, uh, the Marine Stewardship Council and other ways of certifying where the food comes from, and um, and also like uh, originally, probably everybody now assumes that it's natural to have a, a tuna can where it says uh, dolphin free or dolphin safe. Um, all of these, all of these things are. Are important. The important part, though, is to look really deeply into it because uh, sometimes a certification in one way can be an excuse for uh, keeping on an unsustainable fisheries. And it's uh, it, this it is why, be, like, some, sometimes can be just a marketing thing. Yes, and and of course, it's fine to say a dolphin safe uh, um, dolphin. Uh, the dolphin tuna interaction has been uh, a, a problem, especially in the tropical Pacific, in the eastern tropical Pacific, um, with a certain kind of tuna. If you're talking about red tuna, for example, from the uh, Atlantic coming into the Mediterranean, this is the most. Uh, uh, appreciated fish in the world probably um, that tuna is in any case a, a, a population or species that is in in dire straits right now and uh, so so even if you have a certification about uh, being dolphin safe for example that's not I, I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate for consuming red tuna uh, uh, on a on a regular basis, anyway. Um, so I, I the, guess uh, I guess this sounds we'll, we'll probably put this in a totally completely different episode and look a bit deeper into these. Yeah, we might might want to go into this. I mean, it's it's very difficult for for salmon farming. Yeah, well, I am I'm not aware of uh, of the uh, of what you have in in different places in Europe, but I I know that there is a big there are big campaigns against salmon farming, and the problem is that uh, the campaigns are usually directed towards a nation, not towards about salmon farming in general. And so you, I I am not an expert in in all this uh, advocacy, but uh, but when I hear uh, messages that obviously come from the British Isles that are I, saying something about salmon farming in Norway being really bad then uh, then I must say that maybe I don't hear what the Norwegian salmon farming does as propaganda against the against the um, against this uh, Scottish uh, and Irish uh, farming all right, let's let's try to yeah. keep politics out of this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, thanks for a good overview of what salmon farming is how it works and uh, and why we're doing it. So this was episode 25 of Curiously Polar. If you if you just found this online, it's easy to get it regularly, automatically in your podcast client. You will find it anywhere you get your other podcasts. And of course, we have a website, curiouslypolar.com. And that has all the links, all the previous episodes. So check it out. It's, uh, it's growing. It's growing. We have a, 
quarter of a hundred already. So we're working towards that milestone very, very quickly every week. Um, next week, we want to talk about an interesting place up high north, New Orlesund, which I've been to and um, which has a pretty interesting history. So until then, Mario, stay cool. Stay cool. Stay cool.